Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of May Contain Traces of Soy, the podcast all about surviving and thriving on a low-waste, plant-based lifestyle. I am your host, Rochelle. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Really psyched to have you guys listening. And if you are a new listener, thanks for being here. If you're a regular listener, welcome back, soybeans. Psyched that you're here to listen to the podcast every single week. I really do appreciate it. If you are new around here, you won't know this, but we do shout outs on this show. So if you have a question, a topic you want covered, or if you just want to hit us up, tell us something, you know, we'll do a shout out for you on the next show. You can hit us up on Instagram. We are at Make Tain Trace of Soy or on Facebook, and we'll do a shout out for you on that next show. So this week I actually was uh, absent last week. I was an absentee from my own podcast. Very bad behavior. Um, I've just been really stressed and I did not get around to it, which is no excuse. I promise it will be weekly from here on out until overwhelm overtakes me again and I just don't do it. So, you know, wait for that to happen. Don't know what to tell you. It's really good though to be back on this week. I've got a whole bunch of ideas and I've got some interviews lined up. So I'm psyched to be bringing you guys some more content and we are kind of smack bang in the middle of the third season now. So I'm really psyched to be here, but I should let you know that I am in the middle of organizing a big move. We, uh, if you're a regular listener, you'll know that we moved down to Tassie last year to live here instead of in Brisbane in Queensland. And uh, it's way too cold for me. It's the middle of winter here now, and I just can't hack it, my friends. So we are going back to Queensland. We're going to go to the Gold Coast. We're going to go somewhere warm and uh, live by the ocean and, like, really enjoy that because it's going to be lovely. But, yeah, I will be stressing out trying to get everything done for that move, which is going to be mega intense because, once again, we are shedding all of the belongings in our life. Now, if you are a regular listener, you'll know that I went through a bit of a minimalist phase for a while back in 2020 when I was doing the podcast. There are two great episodes to check out if you're interested in minimalism and, you know, paring down your belongings, um, simplifying your life. There's one that is episode three, and it's uh, called Minimalism with a friend of mine who is an extreme minimalist. That's Angelique Christopher. She has her own podcast called The Christopher Cult. And you can go check that out too. I'm going to link it in the show notes. But she talks through some really interesting points about minimalism, how to approach it. Now, Angelique, I think when she did that episode, only had like a mattress and one box of belongings and a suitcase. 
So she pretty extreme minimalist. Um, yeah, I have never been that extreme, although no, never been that extreme. We had about eight boxes to come down here with us. When we're heading back, I am looking forward to only having two boxes of belongings in one suitcase. So watch out, bitch. I'm coming for you. But <laughs> um, getting back on point, the other one that you can go check out is called Spring Clean Your Life. And it's talking about not just paring down your belongings and getting rid of miscellaneous items around your home, but also going through all the things in your life, all the habits that you have, friends that you have, hobbies that you have, working out what doesn't serve you anymore and letting go of that, you know, with grace. So if that's something that you're interested in learning more about, you can go and check out those two episodes. I'm going to link them in today's show notes, but let's move right on now to this week's episode. Really excited to have you guys here this week because I've planned this one for a little while and I just think it's a really good one to do. And it's something that I'm kind of interested in myself. So this week we are going to be talking about seven fruits, vegetables, and legumes that can replace your meat in your dishes. So this is not going to like, first off, I just want to say, I'm not going to do things like cover soy and tofu and tempera and lentils. We know that, you know, we all know that that stuff is heavy in a vegan diet, heavy in a vegetarian diet. And I feel like it would be a waste of your time to talk about those things because you guys are not stupid. So you already know about that stuff. Plus there's a lot of resources, but what I want to talk about is some of the other vegetables, some that you will have heard about, but maybe not know all the uses, some that you might not have used before that can be used to replicate the texture of meat with a little bit of creative cooking. So we're going to jump right into that now. And before we do, I just want to acknowledge that the pretty much all of these vegetables were not native to uh, white Western cultures and they have been, yeah, stolen from other cultures. Uh, where I did find relevant information, I did talk about it within each of these vegetables as I go through the topics, but there is going to be some stuff that I have missed and just know that I'm doing my best and I'm always on a path to educate myself a little bit more about how, well, my whiteness affects my veganism and how I should acknowledge that. So if you guys do have any interesting stuff that you want to share about these vegetables or about the history of different meat alternatives, I would love for you to jump into a conversation with me on Instagram. I am very open to hear it. And it's also not your job to educate me if you don't want to, but yeah, I just thought I'd get that out of the way first. All right. So straight off the bat, let's talk about jackfruit. This is a popular one. If you guys have been around the vegan or vegetarian community for a while, or if you're even just a bit of a foodie, you probably do know about jackfruit and its use um, to replicate different types of meat as a substitute. But jackfruit is a tropical fruit tree that grows in Asia, Africa, India, and South America. And it's been a common ingredient in these nations for hundreds of years, but recently got picked up by Western, uh, you know, vegan food influences. The actual fruit itself is quite large with these little pods inside, which are called the flesh. And that is what you use in your cooking. So here in Australia, I haven't encountered much jackfruit in fruit and veggie stores, although I'm sure it is carried in some of the stores. But what we mostly see is rinsed jackfruit in a can. When you go to buy that for vegan cooking, try and get rinsed jackfruit that is in water in the can and not in any kind of flavored, um, yeah, any kind of flavored syrup or flavored water because you want to try and basically eliminate a lot of the flavor from the jackfruit itself because we're trying to replicate a meat flavor. So definitely look for one that's in water and not in brine or, you know, anything like that. And then you want to rinse that out and jackfruit itself, this, you know, little fleshy pod thing 
it's kind of got the consistency. The sizes are kind of in bite-sized chunks already with jackfruit, which is quite cool. It has the consistency sort of of a fleshy kind of chicken, but like a cooked stringy sort of chicken. Um, so it works really well for replicating barbecue pork or, you know, chicken or turkey. Um, you can use it to make chicken nuggets. I've seen so much different stuff done with it. It's really impressive the way people get creative with this kind of cooking, and I love to see it. Uh, but what I would say in preparing jackfruit is that you want to get it, you know, in water and not in brine firstly, but make sure that you rinse it well once you do get it out of the can. And then I would recommend soaking it in the flavor stock that you're trying to replicate. So there are vegan uh, chicken stocks, there's vegan beef stock, you know, all of that kind of thing. So if you're going for a chicken or a turkey kind of flavor, soak it a little bit in that stock, then rinse it out again and let it dry out a little bit because it's going to soak up some of those flavors. And um, then if you're going for, you know, pork kind of flavor, try and rinse it out to get rid of that flavor as much and then add anything that you would associate with the type of pork flavor that you're looking for. So for your barbecue pulled pork stuff, you want to shred it so that it's entirely in its stringiness and then lay it out on a baking uh, tray on baking paper and coat it with all of the, you know, barbecue sauces, hot sauces, whatever you use when you're doing barbecue pork and cook that in the oven and you'll get this kind of like lovely, crispy, you know, somewhat caramelized, but also still quite sloppy sort of like barbecue pork sort of effect, which is really nice on little barbecue pork burgers, sandwiches, that kind of thing. So definitely recommend checking out jackfruit and trying out some of those recipes. The next one that I want to talk about is cauliflower. Now, cauliflower, as most of you all know, makes a fantastic chicken wing. So if you've been to any of the vaguely trendy, you know, bars, restaurants um, in the last few years, they may have at some point had cauliflower wings on the menu. They are so damn good. I had no idea. Like I was never a big cauliflower, you know, eater when I was little, but having tried it done various ways now, like obviously anything that you coat in deep fry is delicious to me, but (laughs) You can also like, you can roast it. You know, there's just a lot that you can do with cauliflower that I hadn't really thought to do. So cauliflower wings, first up, amazing. Love them. Definitely try it out. And because cauliflower doesn't have a lot of strong flavor, you don't need to worry about soaking it in any kind of like stock beforehand to get the flavor. It, you know, it doesn't have a strong flavor. So whatever herbs and spices you put on it, it takes up pretty well. You can also do it as like a cauliflower steak. And that's where people cut a big full slice, like take the whole cauliflower and then cut slices of it, nice thick steak style slices and coat them with marinades that you might put on a steak or a big chunk of meat like that. And then you can either barbecue it, you know, you can bake it, like you can fry it, whatever you want to do with it. But it does have like a nice meaty effect. Although I would say that that doesn't replicate steak or anything like that overly well because of the style that it is. But still pretty good. So cauliflower is pretty amazing. I've also seen it done as like a whole roasted cauliflower with coating over it, which is cauliflower is delicious roasted. So I'd highly recommend trying it. I would say out of all the options, the one that best replicates meat is probably when you have it as a cauliflower wing. But these are options to create a centerpiece to a meal if you are doing like a dinner for people, or if you're going somewhere, say for the holidays, for Christmas or something, and you want to bring something that's an alternative and you're not quite ready to try and make the giant fake turkey that Zachary Bird does in his book, The Vegan Butcher, which 
is amazing. I've done it. Definitely check it out. Um, then that gives you an option. And, you know, if you're trying to eat more whole foods as well, that's a good way to avoid doing, you know, a lot of fake meat stuff. You know, you can get these whole vegetables and then do them like that. So there's a bit of ceremony to the meal. It feels a little bit fancier and like you've got a centerpiece to the table. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com if that makes sense. So that is definitely worth trying out. Uh, the next one that I have on the list is banana blossoms. Now, banana blossoms are not something I've personally used yet, but I have seen a lot of influencers use it. And I keep thinking, I got to try this out. Banana blossoms were mostly used in Southeast Asian cooking. You get them tinned here and they're a great alternative to fish. So the trick to get the fishy flavor with them, and they've got a kind of like, you know, I guess sort of a fishy texture when cooked. So they're quite soft, you know, flaky, um, that sort of thing. So they replicate that type of meat very well. Well, that type of fish, I guess, because fish isn't meat. And yeah, they're supposed to be really amazing for cooking when you're trying to do a fish type substitute. So things like calamari, like fried fish, you know, they're good for all of that. Good in curries where you want to have a kind of fishy fleshiness to them. Uh, the way to get the fishy flavor I would say again with banana blossoms, there is a sweetness to them. It's not as sweet as bananas, but keeping that in mind, you want to look for ones that are when they're tinned in water and not brine. And then you want to rinse them well and try making a marinade with a little bit of seaweed broken up into it because the seaweed gives a really fishy flavor. It's a really fantastic, sneaky way to do things. Totally fun to do. I'm going to go to another fishy one now and I'm going to talk about watermelon. Now, I don't know if you guys follow a lot of vegan influencers and you've seen this already, but if you haven't, watermelon makes a fantastic uh, alternative to tuna. So for your kind of like, you know, sushi cooking, well, not cooking, but sushi, where you have like the raw tuna style sushi, you can do that with watermelon. Um, and I have seen some influencers do that. You again, work with the seaweed to get that kind of fishy flavor. And I've seen them kind of like they do cook the watermelon in some way that gives it a kind of more, uh, not gelatinous, but like a softer, but still very, um, retaining its form kind of, you know, texture. And that's really interesting to me. If I liked tuna before I went vegan like that, then I would try this but I never did. So I have not, and I'm not going to, not even for this podcast. I'm really sorry, guys. It's a no for me. But if you're into that, maybe give it a go. If you look up a few recipes, watermelon, tuna, sushi, 
check it out. There's some pretty amazing stuff you can find online. The next thing we're going to talk about can be used for fish, but also other things. And it is eggplant originally from India, but obviously the colonizers brought that over real fucking quick because it has this lovely thick texture. It does make for good burgers and for a good mince replacement. But the most interesting thing I've seen it used for is to do a kind of fried fish alternative. So I've seen them cut up the eggplant and then they do some flavoring with it and they coat it. And I've had this out at restaurants and they coat it in tempera and do like, you know, fried fish. And it has a really soft kind of fishy texture when it is done that way, which is funny because when it's cooked other ways, it has such a firm texture or, you know, it has such a rubbery texture, like it's quite a thick one. So I was surprised to see it have such versatility in terms of how it's cooked, but that is another one that you could try. So that was eggplant. All right, the next one we've got on the list will be no surprise to anyone, and it's mushrooms. But I think what makes mushrooms interesting is the variety and types of mushrooms you can get. It dramatically changes, you know, what kind of meat they're replicating. So, I mean, you can do button mushrooms, and if you mince those up, they make for a great, you know, mince alternative to create burger patties or meatballs or something like that. But if you get um, umani mushrooms shredded, they do a really good, you know, kind of pork, shredded pork sort of uh, vibe that you can use for different types of Asian dishes like, you know, pork buns, things like that. And then oyster mushrooms fried are a fantastic chicken replacement. You can also use them to make calamari style thing. Again, do the seaweed trick that super duper helps. If you're going to do them for a chicken style thing, soak them in a tiny bit of chicken stock. I mean, these are the little steps that we take around things. And really, if we're realistic and honest with ourselves, chicken itself, boiled chicken on its own tastes, you know, like what chicken tastes like. But the flavor that you're used to with chicken is a combination of things like rosemary and sage and like a few other things like that that actually are your common flavorings in chicken things. Um, which is what you're actually associating with chicken. So if you take those herbs, those spices, those flavors, and then put them to a texture that's close, you get a really good uh, replication there. It's really similar, and it definitely helps to hit the spot if you're craving anything like that. So that was mushrooms. The next one we're going to talk about is walnuts. Now, walnuts, I didn't really know this beforehand. I don't know how I missed this one but it's quite often used as a great alternative to beef mints. So you can throw it in a food processor and walnuts have a lot of omega-3s, very good for you. But when they're, you know, crushed up and minced, they actually do have like a great meaty kind of texture. They are perfect for doing things like burgers and you can mix that with other things. Like you wouldn't make it an all walnut patty. I suppose you could, but you know, that's a bit intense. You'd probably mix it in with some mushrooms or something like that. But you can get a really good replication of, you know, meat mints, like beef style mints. And then you can use that in any recipes where you might have used beef mints beforehand. So it's a really great swap out if you want to try one of the recipes you're used to, but you want to just change over to a plant-based alternative without going to like, you know, the plant-based meat section at the supermarket and buying the fake beef mints. Now, I'm not against using those. I use them quite often. I really like them. Uh, but I'm trying to learn more about using whole foods or, you know, whole vegetables, fruits as alternatives, uh, just because I'm curious to learn a little bit more about that process. And I'm guessing it's probably a bit better for me just because it is less processed. Uh, so yeah, I am trying to learn a little bit more about that. But yeah, walnuts, interesting one. Hadn't really thought to do it myself, but definitely one that I'm going to try. 
Uh, and the final one on my list for you today, guys, is carrots. You'll be interested to know, make fantastic bacon. Now, I know this one sounds totally crazy, but if you do a really thin, like peel slice of a carrot and then coat it with maple syrup, liquid smoke, garlic and herbs, then oven bake it, you actually get this great bacon flavor strip. And it's really impressive. Now, when I say bacon, I'm not talking about how Australians are used to bacon because the bacon that we get here is like, it's a thicker cut. It's from a different part than what they get in over America. This is an American replication of bacon, like a bacon strip. So it's chewy and crispy. It's that style. But if you're looking for something like that and you want to make carrot bacon to put in salads or to have on top of your walnut mince burger or whatever it might be, like it's a really good one to try out. The other thing that I've seen people do with carrots, which just is amazing to me. And again, it's with like liquid smoke and other things because liquid smoke is, it's just a fucking dream. It really adds like a smoky meaty kind of flavor. So it's perfect to try out for any meaty type dishes that would usually be beef or pork, things that usually have that smoky kind of flavor, um, bacon. Yeah. So liquid smoke, definitely a game changer. But the other thing I've seen people do with carrots is turn them into hot dogs. Now this sounds insane because carrots have quite a strong and quite sweet flavor, but I've seen people whole roast them in marinades that are made to kind of replicate that smoky sort of like, you know, hot doggy flavor, and then just have them on a bun with, you know, onions and like pickles and tomato sauce and, you know, mustard. It's like amazing how people do these things, but they're called carrot dogs. If you haven't tried that before, give it a go. I don't know if I will, because I kind of feel like, how can you get a carrot that's roasted like that to not taste like carrot? When you roast a carrot, the sugars in it come out so strongly. It's such a sweet flavor already. I just wonder if it can be properly kind of covered, but you know, it's one thing that people do. I've seen other vegan influencers do it. I don't know if I would try it personally, but if you want to, let me know how it goes. I would love to see that. I really want to check that out. That was my, what turned out to be eight. I said I was going to be seven. It was a fib. It was eight. That was my eight vegetables, fruits, and legumes that can replace meat. Obviously, you guys know there are many more that you can check out. I'm not even going to get into like the chickpeas, the lentils, the tofu, the soy of it all, because that would be way too much to cover in this episode. But I hope that you guys found this one interesting. And I'd love to hear if you do try out any, you know, fruit or vegetable based meat alternatives. I'm going to be getting in the kitchen and trying some stuff out. Probably going to wait until we get back up to Queensland at this point, because it's only two months away. And frankly, I'm going to start selling all my kitchen stuff soon anyway. But when I get there, I will shoot a little video. I will give it a go. And if I do anything cool, I'll let you guys in on it. I'll put it up on the YouTube and uh, it'll be a heap of fun. Anyway, I hope that you guys have enjoyed this week's episode. Remember to subscribe um, to the YouTube channel. We don't have any episodes coming out at the moment, but we will have more. And we do have a few from earlier in the year. Uh, going to Hobart, doing fun things like that. So expect a few more coming as, you know, we kind of get around to them. And if you are enjoying the podcast and you want to help us out, one of the best things you can do is to go onto Apple Podcasts or wherever you're getting your podcast and to rate the podcast. You know, give us five stars, leave us a review. It helps more people to see the podcast and it definitely helps to push the podcast out there, which is just amazing and is super duper wonderful when you guys do that. Every time I do get a positive review, I will read it on the 
next episode once I realize that it's come in because I was doing that when I was getting them before and I'll keep doing it again now. So yeah, if you leave one there and let me know your Instagram handle and that you've left one, I'll definitely give you a shout out on the next show. But thank you for being here this week, guys, and we'll catch you in a week. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.